Hello and welcome to the WCW versus NW podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and holds four fingers up to one of the most important eras in wrestling history. This episode, we're doing something slightly different. We're going to be looking at a very historic episode of Nitro. We've chosen a couple important Nitros to highlight along with the pay-per-views, and this will be the April 20th, 1998 Nitro. And I don't want to spoil too much because there's a lot to dive into, but I couldn't dissect the Nitro alone. Man, that would be way too tough, so I need to I need to have a good team. And with me is Fergus Looney. How are you doing, Fergus? Good, yeah, yeah, pretty good. And uh, Connor O'Donnell, who's going to have to guide us through these murky waters because he's very used to having to watch the Nitros and Tundras. Do you guys feel bad for me or what? Yeah. Oh, my absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That was it's my first the, yeah. thing was like, I'm really sorry, Connor. <laughs> well, to be fair, like most like other Nitros, if there's, there's garbage matches like that, we, that we're going to cover, there's plenty of them. The fast forward function is it does amazing things. <laughs> I, I felt even worse for you because I had accidentally watched a bit of the wrong Nitro. I'm like, oh, I, I thought there was a bunch of different matches on this. So I had to watch like a Nitro and a quarter. I'm like, how does Connor watch more than one episode of this? This is ridiculous. Yeah, one day at a time, one beer at a time, you know, <laughs> whatever <laughs> helps. Ignoring the wrestling quality for the most part, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, for the most part, this Nitro is a little different. It felt, I'll explain why as, as we go along. But past Nitros were definitely, I, I would say, more entertaining than this one. This one just kind of felt like a jumbled mess. Sounds yeah. like WCW. Uh, mm-hmm. It does a little bit. I think that stuff, because all of the Attitude Era kind of war stuff feels like that. And I wonder if it's that, that stemmed from like spike certain hours. So like, if you looked at this card objectively, I'd probably completely rearrange most of the matches. But they want to get certain viewerships on certain hours, I guess. So they, they yeah, it's, it's very weirdly laid out, I think. This episode is, I would say it's at least the beginning is very structured to the attitude era formula. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's most, fair. most nitros are not like this. This felt very, very similar to when I used to watch raw back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it really did. For reference, this is the nitro directly after spring stampede, the episode we have just done. So there's a replay straight away of stuff we didn't get to see on Spring Stampede. And I know I love paying for a pay-per-view and not getting to see everything that happens at the pay-per-view. That's my that's my favorite thing. But we see uh, Hogan coming back out and attacking Macho and Nash, which leaves zero <laughs> subtlety or suspense in the storyline they were bringing up. I know there was already the story of the riff in the NWO and that these were the two factions coming out of it or the, the, the four people that were like the leaders Save that for Nitro. Why does he have to come back out on the pay-per-view? It seems kind of weird to me. I don't know about you guys. Both companies are pretty bad for doing this, I think, around this time, if I remember right. So it's not unique to WCW. Whatever. It's the thing that you would do for the crowds. Normally, I guess they're just trying to use it productively rather than having absolutely nothing. I can't imagine them trying to do a cold open, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. Speaking of the opening, though, do you guys feel a difference between like a nitro opening and your typical pay-per-view opening well this is incredibly long sure I, i'm, I'm more going thing. for the the grandeur of it the the pyro uh, the, the yeah, nitro theme it, like to me it just feels more intense it feels more exciting yeah it feels better right i, I have that noted like why, why is the production for the nitro so much better than the pay-per-views is is kind of weird, but I, I guess I care about those ratings, baby. Yeah, it, it really shows where their focus is. I, I don't want to just like say negative things all the time about them, but it shows where their focus was at the time. And 
I also have noticed what's really uh, jarring is we're doing some of our retro nitros, and the audiences are quite contained in them, and the audience is going ballistic, rabid dogs. It looks like they've overpacked the crowd. You know, it's they are going insane for the smallest things in the show. It's pretty weird to look back on and how different wrestling crowds are. Yeah, particularly compared to today's standards yeah. and that's something i really want to talk on when, when we get to the nitro party segments because it's it, i think that's a really big thing that wcw was tapping into right now yeah i i think i think i agree like it's absolutely savage to see people this exciting about wrestling the, the only time i've in my adult life i've seen this is at like tiny indie shows where everyone just loves being there and probably knows one of the wrestlers each you know it's like family members. i mean they're so jacked they react to larry just vamping. Yeah, that, that, that's just like a Nitro tra- tradition that they always either they cheer Bobby or Larry. It's just kind of this opening thing that the crowd's just bored. What, what can we do? Let's chant for the commentator because they're talking. Yeah, after the uh, the legendary Nitro intro, we're turned to our commentary team where we have Tanay, Shivani, and Larry Zabisco. And Larry just takes time to style with the crowd as Tanay and Tony recap the split of the NWO, one of the most important storylines, just Larry bowing and stuff to the crowd. The, the show starts off as uh, any modern wrestling fan uh, would be used to now, and it's uh, Hogan comes down to the ring with the disciple to talk about not very much at all. Uh, he's taken to calling the fans. I, I haven't seen this in the pay-per-views, but the NWO whites, does he do that a lot in the, the Nitros, Connor? This is every promo on Nitro ever. Oh my! And God. you forgot you forgot to mention Bischoff. Bischoff yeah. is oh, always Bish is, with. You mentioned like the guy who's never on pay per view. <laughs> Very true. He's also down with disciple. <laughs> it's nice to see Eric for a change. NWO is one of the worst names I've I've ever come across. It doesn't blend together at all. Yeah, he did this when he did his second run in uh, in WWE for Comic Relief. He was calling like Kane's fans the Kaneites and stuff. I'm like, where really? has he got this word? Yeah, he, he's like, where did he get this word from? Why does he put ites at the end of stuff? This is so weird, Hogan. Uh, so glad to know things don't change. It, it is funny, and we've made note of this so much in the past, but it's funny that he's given this entire makeover, but there's so much remnants of his old character. The stuff that's worked for him in the past, he just goes to the well again and again and again. And this is a very typical Hogan, you know what, brother, kind of promo. There is an exception which me, me and Gus have made note of that will be like uh, revealed in the main event, but he starts referring to like the apocalypse and pestilence and kind of going off on a Piper-esque rant with but some it, of it. Like even apart from the spoiler thing you're alluding to, he has kind of used that imagery before. It does remind me like he, cause when he talks about the NWO and stuff and it being a new world order. Yeah. And he does try to use that kind of biblical stuff. So it's not massively outside of his wheelhouse. It's just that he's decided that's the imagery and he's never going to stray from it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's going to reform the horsemen, right? That's what that's what those old horsemen promos were like. Yeah, it's confusing for someone that doesn't watch the, the, the Nitros every week. Uh, he hates Macho and he lets us all know that again and again. And he keeps calling Kev his big, sexy girlfriend. And we need we need to straighten this out. Any person would be lucky to be with Big Kevin. Correct. He is a smoke show. The man is a smoke show, Hogan. You can't use that as an insult. Uh, Hogan officially confirms Andy Rowe has split in this promo as well, which is a little cut out of the bag. We kind of know that, but uh, I thought it would be something they'd confirm at the end of the show instead of the start. 
Yeah, you got you got to do that for the for the viewers that didn't see the pay per view. So I, I guess you know, you, you got to do that. But I guess the problem with Hogan and all the all the promos that he does just certain things just never land. It, yeah, particularly the catchphrases. Like all the other members, the crowd's like, "Oh, he's gonna say it! I can't wait to say it with him." Hogan's like, "Oh, he's saying, oh, no, right." You know, he, and I mean, just, on the, the way he says it too, it, it always just falls very flat. Yeah. On the plus side, he's setting himself up quite well as the heel of the NWO <laughs> <laughs> because he is so bad, like you say, with yeah putting up those like cool signs, any sort of gimmick, any sort of catchphrase. He doesn't have it, so he's gonna look like the square old dad in comparison to Kev and whoever else is on that side. And his goon bodyguard that just Ugh. stands there in the back with his arms folded the, who somehow even leather more leathery than than hogan <laughs> which is very hard to do are, I have to are say. you talking about like his outfit attire or like the way his skin looks I, uh, I don't both know. both yeah i don't uh, even think about it <laughs> even down to the straw hair i think mm. i'm starting to wonder if ed would shave his hair into the same style as hulk if he was asked to because that's that's the kind of level we're at with uh, with his <laughs> involvement. I'd feel a bit hard done by if I was other NWO lackeys. You know, my whole point is being a lackey. I've been doing it for all this time. And Ed just comes and steals my job. He gets to hang out behind Hogan the entire yeah, time. But you're forgetting something, Dave. Ed has been Hulk's lackey for 20 years now. <laughs> so he has the he has the seniority level in the pecking order. Like he's the number one lackey. It'd be it'd be cool if like the audience knew that, but at this time, you, <laughs> yeah, they don't they really know that. Also, it's hard to like. It's he's unrecognizable. He doesn't look like the typical barber beefcake type. Look. No, wearing shades all the time doesn't help either. No, he's also like I think people would recognize the barber, but like he's a pleb. He's like a lower mid card pleb. Not not that there's something wrong with that, but like why would people be excited? He might be the lowest NWO signing besides Vincent to come over from that company. I always thought that as a kid as well, before I knew that they were friends in real life. I never got why the barber was running into Hogan matches or like in Hogan programs, you know? I'm like, why is this idiot involved because in the main they, event? They do such a poor job of explaining he, that. He's <laughs> the one responsible for Hogan's haircut. It all makes sense then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait to get to the, 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 there's a point, I think Ed Leslie joins the One Warrior Nation, I think. Oh, I'm amazing. hoping that happens during our timeline. Amazing. That's <laughs> mind-boggling to think of. Yeah, hopefully we get we get to delve deep into the psyche of Ed Leslie coming up. Oh my god. But yeah, this this promo is it's your typical Homegan promo. It's bad. It takes them forever to come out. They take their sweet ass time to fill time. A lot of time filling. A lot of time filling. Yeah, the crowd is not really into it. They're just kind of listening and then like, well, we gotta do something. So we're gonna chant out of boredom it seems like it's not it's not chanting out of heat it's just kind of like get off and let's enjoy wrestling now please yeah they're they're excited about so much in the show it's hard to bring them down it feels but this certainly didn't like we'll see what later interviews and later segments are way hotter for other people and yeah i mean the main points he tries to get across don't land and people don't really get what he's talking about yep that's my main problem with the promos and I, i just i get distracted by other things like i don't know if you guys have noticed but the new Goldberg shirts are finally uh, hit the stands. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, the fucking this. state yeah. of it! It's just black it's shirt, awful. gold text, Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Great shirt. Oh my goodness, that's so bad. So you can tell, yeah, you can tell the rust job they uh, they did that. Oh, this guy's hot. Let's get the merch out. <laughs> I know what we can do. 
<laughs> That's so bad. The the one thing I noted here, and I, I get that the NWO isn't done, but why aren't like WCW people like popping champagne? This was a war they've just won. They split the NWO up, right? It's frustrating too, yeah. Why yeah, why, why, is, why don't we have like the other members kind of like on camera yeah. looking like, mm, do I want to be a part of this group? Blah blah blah. You know, just yeah, nothing. No, it's, the, yeah, and it's in the middle of his promo. Yeah. It's just dropped in. Yeah, just just drop it there. Because they don't matter, Dave. As we all know, they don't matter. (laughs) When you're uh, not even good enough to get the main NWO music, you don't matter. (laughs) We also get shown that in the aftermath of the attack at Stampede, the unseen pay-per-view attack, Scott Norton is the voice of reason. I'm I'm glad Scott uh, Scotty N here is getting some uh, getting some. Let's remember his full title. (laughs) What's the full title? Former IWGP heavyweight champion Scott Norton. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's very true. But yeah, Scott is like I thought he'd be like bullish or like the character he is in the ring. He's like, nah, guys, settle down. We have the title. Let's not fight. He's like the voice of reason guys, in the NWO. Stop fighting, guys. Mom, I just want my paycheck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want to go to Japan all the time, guys. Come on, I need don't a make me call Ice here. Train. <laughs> Oh, the best feud we've covered. We also got a classic warm-up segment for uh, Goldberg. Very used to this in any company you've seen him uh, wrestling. No wonder he's gassed when he gets to the ring so often. He's warming up half the night. No head-butting doors yet, though. Next on our show, we get Macho Man down to address the crowd. I really wish they had broken this up a bit more. Like, promo after promo is a lot, even though the crowd are really hot for Macho. His entrance is longer than most of the matches on this Nitro. Uh, I, I was going to uh, count how many it was longer than, but it depressed me so much, uh, so much I gave up after three. He says he didn't come out of here to go, but to fight. But then he cuts a promo that's pretty much gloating. Uh, he hates Hogan. I kind of love that he calls the title the NWO World Heavyweight title, but I'm not sure if he does that on purpose during the promo, or it's just kind of a slip. He challenges Hogan, and he says his intentions... Uh, wasn't to leave the NWO, but basically to usurp Hogan with someone to get rid of Hogan because he's an egomaniac, which uh, seems like a good plan. He then says no one can stop him from saying anything he wants in the most time-wasting part of a segment I've ever seen, where he starts naming people that can't stop him from saying what he wants. But then, instead of saying anything controversial, says that Kevin Nash is the new leader of the NWO, not Macho. So a bit of a swerve there. He didn't want to take power. He just wanted Hogan not to have power. And he says that uh, Kevin Nash is the new leader. Yeah, Nash heads out too, and he's wearing like a crappy tracksuit. He looks like he's just done a collection run on The Sopranos. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's out collecting. And he also definitely just has a beer in his hand as he comes out. Like he has a little... (laughs) According to him, this isn't even me making up. Anytime he has a paper cup, it's definitely an alcoholic beverage. And he just drinks some of it and leaves it on like the stage before he comes out. Yeah, he he keeps it short and sweet. He just threatens uh, Hogan and his cronies and tells Hogan it's all over. His career's over. Shortened to the point by Big Sexy. This got a lot more uh, reaction from the crowd. But obviously, these guys are also the faces in the feud and uh, over like Grover. Yeah, but at the same time, Nash's words definitely... I know you say short and sweet, but yeah, his words, they definitely land and yeah. he, he understands the catchphrases. So it's it's a lot more entertaining. So it's, it doesn't does not surprise me that Nash, how he how he gets over with the crowd. I've always wondered what would happen if uh, Macho had been the third man mm-hmm. to Hogan. 
because they, they love him. They love him as like a semi-leader of it. And his character fits the NWO so much more than Hogan's does. But we'll fantasy book that a different yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll save that to our, our our final episode. I think that was actually one yeah. of my questions I've written down before. So, Ooh. Yeah. A segment where Raven is brooding in the showers. We can't really see his face. Lovely bathroom He's, tile. Uh, yeah, very, very nice bathroom. Uh, this is so diff- This is so funny because it's such a contrast from his ECW stuff. Because his ECW stuff, the cameras would find him in random places in the arena. But it's usually, you know, next to some equipment, just sitting on the floor, chilling. This is in an actual shower. He says some very raveny stuff uh, about how uh, he's loves pain or doesn't mind pain, and he's going to stop the streak tonight. Very flat promo, I thought. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, Bischoff and Raven had disputes over the promo. Bischoff didn't want Raven to come off too strong, so I can I can see the the hesitation here and how it's kind of kind of bland and lame. But for me, yeah, the the, the bathroom location kind of gets me. First, just audio-wise, it's really hard to understand him. I had to rewind it yeah. several times just to mm-hmm. understand it. I mean, bathrooms, they're very echoey, so it's its not the best uh, choice here. Yeah, it, again, it seems like a misunderstanding in WCW. have done this with a couple gimmicks they brought in where it's like, oh, this worked in a different company. Let's just tweak it and do it again. But they tweak it in the weirdest way. So instead of finding him leaning against a wall somewhere or in a parking lot, showers are grungy, right? I guess... Uh, yeah, so I agree. A little bit flat from uh, by Raven standards. I but I, I do I will say that I thought WCW did a great job of just setting up the night, getting people jacked up and people mm. wanting like to tune in. So yeah, it's a typical trope from the Attitude Era, but I, this formula works, and that's why these two companies really just go after it and repeat it. Th- this is very true. Uh, Nitro Girls. One of the distinct differences between uh, Raw and Nitro at this stage, like Raw never has anything resembling this until. Well, until Bischoff comes into the company much later, I guess. Speaking of wasting time, <laughs> yeah. I have I have Nitro Girls, Nitro Party Plug, and Gene Plug's Hotline. That's like what five minutes there? Five minutes right there. Well, they they we we get to know about the weird. You got to send in your party tapes to get a party in your location. A Nitro Party Pack. What do you think was in the Nitro Party Pack? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Sting mask. <laughs> one of the do rags from Hogan or Savage. Yeah, DDP himself. He's just so exuberant. He comes in the box, just jumps out. Yeah, the, I I like the idea of this party giveaway thing, and they're trying to tap in. Like WCW definitely noticed first that their market wasn't kids anymore; was probably teens, like early twenties. And uh, I guess this is just trying to exploit. This is very targeted at like college kids, right? Yeah, because they they realized when they when they started doing this promotion, that's where I'm guessing they got all their tapes from. It was all these frat parties and all these college kids yeah. wanting to have a good time on Monday nights. It's just weird to think about in today's wrestling because it's you would think are college kids watching wrestling like this, like being like fanatics over it. Like it's never going to happen again. Like it's this is probably the last era for it to happen. I mean, video games aren't they're prevalent, but streaming isn't prevalent yet and twitch isn't prevalent and this this promotion was very successful i was actually very surprised wcw how how well they pulled this off well it shows this ebb and flow and kind of uh viewer base as well where for years wrestling was targeted at kids right but eventually kids grow up and traditionally you kind of abandoned them you know what i mean wwf especially were just like well, we're just going to keep targeting kids. 
where eventually some of those kids are going to want to keep watching wrestling into adulthood, I feel. And you go through these like rotations that follow generations. And this was just a high, like there was a huge spike between a very good era of like kids wrestling into stuff like ECW, WCW, Japanese wrestling. WWF were just like the last ones to adjust to it, kicking and screaming. And it's interesting to see how in tune the NWO and WCW are with it already, even though we, we criticize a lot of their swings and misses. Yeah, it's great timing. As as we've said in previous episodes, the video game, I'm sure, had something to do with this, too. Yeah, because I always had friends over playing the wrestling games, and I'm sure people in dorm rooms like held, let's get four buddies and play the wrestling game. And oh, yeah, we'll we'll tune in to Monday nights. Yeah, let's check it out. We got our first match of the night. Uh, good 20 or, so, 20 or so minutes. In. Oh, it's it's over half an hour, Dave. <sighs> It's over half an hour because when I was watching it on the network, I, I paused and I was like, oh, it's only 20. I went, wait, there are ad breaks. So this is easy 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you- what a match we get, boys. <laughs> yeah, we can do the Simpsons um, yogurt shop meme, the haunted yogurt shop. There's promos for 20 minutes. That's bad. That's bad. But then we get a match. That's good. It's a Conan match. That's bad. <laughs> but, but the opponent a- is Chris Adams. That's can good. I go now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's such a shame. Like, I do like Chris Adams, but nobody gives a shit about Chris Adams. In, nobody in the knows late 90s. who he is either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, this match, nothing much happens. I'm happy to see Chris Adams. I was like, I wanted to see him once in the timeline. I know, I know, he has his demons or whatever. And oh, I hope the, you enjoyed your twenty seconds. <laughs> yeah, he's not the nicest human being by all of accounts, but fine. Chain wrestling to start it off with. Conan slaps on the tequila sunrise, I suppose. No one's ever going to know if that's on. And poor Chris Adams has to fucking tap to that. Uh, after the match, Conan, Conan with Vincent in the ring, keeps the tequila sunrise on. And Chris Adams j- just doesn't move. And I have never seen a submission look less painless in my life. Just, just sitting there, nothing happening. He's got to pimp himself out for his new masters, whoever they may be. Yeah, this is true. Uh, this is just to get Conan over for WCW means and a fine whatever Nitro match. Nice nice to see Chris Adams get some time. Yeah, I'm pretty upset. I, I know we mentioned on the previous episode that Conan was kind of the teased, like, defectee, but no mention of that, no kind of tease of anything of him, you know, being maybe face or anything like that. Nope, nothing. Just just plenty of Viva La Raza. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought a lot of the, the members would be, like, throwing up the four life, you know, stronger than ever kind of fucking shit but not nah, just like it's a normal night not like your organization's yeah. crumbling around yeah oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah nothing nothing to see here nothing happened yeah, yeah. who knows <laughs> i'm a pleb they don't let me near the world title <laughs> yeah i can't uh, grab a microphone yeah. it's forbidden <laughs> uh nitro girls do their thing in the ring again i forgot quite how because we don't have it over here connor we don't really have cheerleaders in ireland like even in our professional sports hmm. so i guess i've never thought about that yeah, they're it's a, very, it's a very American thing, a North American thing. Yeah, yeah I guess I'm not surprised. Yeah, so it, it actually kind of makes sense, though. So many things have like cheerleading in America and like you can do scholarships and stuff for it in colleges. Kind of makes sense that it'd be on a wrestling show, right? Definitely. It's you, you can see how it's evolved a little bit. It's, it's kind of gone a little bit more risque as we've gone along here. Cause yeah. The reason it started out was more kind of like, hey, here's a nice dance routine, but now it's I think there's one segment on the on this show that where they just seductively dance down the rampway. The it, it's yeah. not yeah. a routine. I'm like, yeah. no, what yeah. is this? The, no, the, the first like three are genuine routines, and like you you can comment on them not using women, right? And that's absolutely fair. 
but they're still, you know, professional dancers doing their thing. Oh. One of them is just they put on negligees and they start walking. I just had like, flashbacks okay, guys, to Eric on. and sold out. <laughs> oh, so Why did you bring that up? Why? Because <laughs> like I didn't want the Clemson kids, please. I didn't want to be the only one. Uh, <laughs> Clemson, I, I'm not familiar with universities in America. You guys can uh, can correct me in this. Are they are all tied? Is that Clemson? No. <laughs> no. no. That's Alabama. Yeah. Oh, uh, and they're having, they're doing the party promotion. It's showing like some wrestlers at their show, but like I'm pretty sure the wrestler wasn't a known wrestler. It was just like one of their guys in a in a mask and a luchador mask shouting to hype up the crowd at like a pep. Oh rally. yeah, I took that as like some frat yeah. bro. Nobody related to WCW. Well, most wrestlers in WCW are just some frat, frat blows. And uh, in fairness, but uh, yeah, I don't think were any wrestlers there at all. Or was that just like their entry into the competition? You think? I'm pretty sure it's just their entry. But yeah, the, the, yeah the, definitely the best part was the mascot giving some of the, the diamond the cutter. Diamond cutter yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, like this works. Like the whole university seemed amped. They were like including it in their kind of um, their football program. Like they were saying like wrestling things or their, their football team seemed amped by it. WWE currently do stuff like this with football teams. They had like Bray Wyatt do like a speech for a college team and stuff recently. So this is still a tradition that keeps on, I think, as confusing as it is to Europeans, I guess still a, a fine way to promote WCW. Ahead of their time, we, we gotta yeah. give them props when 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 it's due. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> no matter how rare it might be. Yeah, yeah. Com- complete. It's a very nineteen um, nineties looking video. Like the stuff they're wearing, like the baggy stuff, the baggy kind of tops, and the catchphrase. It's like I'm watching Safe by the Bell, to be honest. No, it's not Saved by the Bell. What you... It's Saved by the Bell. You're, you're, you're trying to compare late 90s to early 90s. What do you want? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think by this time, the starter jackets were yeah. already out of out of yeah, fashion. This is like, with Umbro shorts and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this is like early jackass type fear. Oh, it's not, don't yeah. make me feel that old. Come on. It's not. It's a, it's a bit before that. It's a bit before that. Yeah, only it's like not two, too far. Only a year yeah. or two. No, no, no. That, I can't hear you. <laughs> hate to break this to you like the jackass guys had already started by now they just weren't on mtv no like jackass okay. is pretty yeah. recent and cool i feel i, I think you might be wrong <laughs> match number two of the night we got another squash but barbarian gets a match against someone whose name i didn't catch and was already in the ring wayne bloom wayne bloom wayne bloom if you watch nitros you kind of recognize them oh this guy's an established jobber there you go oh cool so they have they have their brooklyn brawler kind of type Barbarian is still accompanied by Jimmy Hart, really? I don't even remember last time I've seen Barbarian just on Nitro or Thunder either. So this was a very surprise. You know, WCW, I have to bring this up now that like you can tell when I would read like all the books and interviews and hear all this stuff about WCW being so unorganized and they would do shows on the fly. This show definitely had that feel to it. Yeah, who showed up backstage? Who isn't drunk, lads? Hands up. Yeah. Barbarian, well, we need, get yeah, out there. Well, we need to fight. Yeah, fill five minutes. Uh, Barbarian, yeah, sure. You get out there. Blame Bloom. Go. Yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. But Barbarian looked nice and strong here. Finished with the big boo. Jimmy Hart, of course, got punched because the crowd loves when Jimmy Hart gets punched. So nice pop for uh, for Mr. Bloom here. But yeah, no, nothing just... Uh, Keeping barbarians strong, I guess. No, they're they're not That's doing anything right. with them. Yeah, <laughs> maybe they're gonna hype him up so he can get killed by Goldberg. In yeah, you know, that'd be sweet. Okay, oh, sure. Yeah. sure, I guess. <laughs> Raven still hasn't found his way out of the shower. He says he's gonna end the streak that it's over already. Do you think he was just there for half an hour? He's like chilling. Yeah, like or... I I didn't particularly like the first one. 
I definitely didn't need a second one. No. no. I, uh, <laughs> maybe members of the flock could have commented or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, seems weird to go to the well twice here. Jericho comes to the ring, and he has a portrait of Dean Malenko. This can be nothing but good. He has an update on Malenko, and it's good and bad news. Malenko is certainly retired, but he has an interview for Harry's Burgers, and he'll let us know when Dean knows if he got the job, which made me laugh out loud. I thought that was great. I, I just love the painting and putting the microphone up to it. It makes me giggle every time. He, he's on top form at the at the moment. Uh, I, I can see why he uh, why he transitioned so well into WWE, to be honest. Yeah, again, this is a new bit. This isn't something that he's just repeated. This is something new every week. Wow, Jericho's going to do something new. Uh, Jericho stays in the ring and we get uh, Hoovy out next. I don't think it's officially a title match, even though uh, Jericho's currently the Cruiserweight champion. Our crowd is super hot for Hubie, uh, and he seems to be getting over ever since he got his mask off. Handsome son of a bitch. It helps that this is the first real match of the, the, the night. Yeah. yeah. Complete house of fire by Hoovie, pulling off all the spots. Top rope Rana and a really nice dive to the outside. Though I noticed the guardrails in an awkward position, which made a couple things awkward. But like, I think Hoovie is the only one that does a proper dive in the whole pay-per-views, uh, the whole Nitro. So it doesn't really matter too much. I, I find it so hard to call Hoovy matches because it's hard to describe his moves, but he turns a Rana position into a DDT midair, which gets a close fall, very like late kick up by Jericho, and the crowd bites on it. Eventually, after almost zero offense from uh, Jericho, he reverses a Rana attempt into a line taber, and Hoovy doesn't tap, but passes out, which leads to the best part of the whole episode. Jericho distraught, shouting, Oh my God, I've killed Hoovy. <laughs> <laughs> Just on his knees, like next to the unconscious body. I noticed as well, Ahuvi took a while to uh, like go limp. Yeah, he fought it. Like the majority of the match was just Ahuvi in a really painful looking line tamer. He like distorted his neck. I think the ref fucked this up. Yeah, the ref was supposed to like start taking the hands or something, or just called the belt earlier. Yeah, yeah, I think somehow in a very short match, the the ending was too long. Yeah, it's very hard to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's interesting that they want to keep like they do consider Hoovy's character of like this like relentless firecracker face that just wouldn't tap out, which is so, uh, I don't know. It, it, with what Connor's saying, you, you can't tell that <laughs> if that's a fuck up, then they weren't trying to do that at all. But they were talking about a bit on commentary, right? Well, yeah, yeah this, this has been consistent through his other matches as well. So at least there's 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 continuity here, but. Yeah. So that's why I think it's like a fuck up just because like I think Robinson was supposed to call for the bell and they're just I think Jericho or Hoovy were like, come on, just call it now. <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do. So I think it was just a blown spot. Yeah, you can tell Jericho kept looking down. He's like, I can't stay squatted like this forever, guys. Come on. <laughs> is your neck still OK? OK, yeah. sure. I'm saying ask him. No, actually ask him for the finish. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And next, we get Michael Buffer out to introduce the U.S. title match. And you know they must be pretty serious about this match if uh, they get Buffer out. This is like the end of the first hour, though, which is like an important part for them, right? This is when they really want to start peaking some of their viewership. When Raw's starting, yeah. It, yeah it's probably the start of the of the second hour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we get our fourth match of the night. After no matches, we get a quick concession of them. And it's uh, Raven versus Goldberg for the U.S. title that Raven just won at Stampede. So spoilers poor raven and uh raven's out to music for the first time that we've noted i think so so on the network he never has music but we've been double checking the vhs rips 
So apparently he didn't have music for Spring Stampede, but he finally got his music. So I guess he got the championship treatment. So I, I like this. I like to think that WCW like, all right, champions are required to have music. Okay, we'll give you. <laughs> Is it the really bad Nirvana cover? Yeah, yeah. it's just okay. grungy ripoff music. Yeah. Well, no, 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 it's not. It's not grungy ripoff. Like it's straight up come as you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah fair, fair. <laughs> and it, they don't even try to hide that. Buffer <laughs> Buffer introduces Raven to a very normal entrance, but uh, Buffer also introduces Goldberg and says his weight and hometown are unknown. Why that, is that the case? That really confused me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that carny shit. Like, he must be a monster if we don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird because in previous weeks, like, Tanae makes sure to, like, oh, I, I finally got to talk to Goldberg a little bit and here are his stats and here, like, this is where he went to school and blah, blah, blah. So... Very contrasting kind of uh, modes here that we're go- we're going for. Yeah, it's just, or it's a- they forgot, <laughs> or Buffer forgot and was like mysterious. Goldberg. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's so funny because Goldberg, like the the part of Goldberg's character that works is he's just a monster athlete, right? Like they refer to his uh, football background and his athletics, and like he's not special. He's not Undertaker. We're not suspending our disbelief like children to believe that he's an actual zombie wizard you know so why not just say he weighs a bunch and comes from somewhere cool it's such a weird ooh no one can even take the time to ask him where he comes from it's not a very very great trope raven tries to jump goldberg early but of course this was never going to work when has goldberg ever sold for more than two seconds in a match so far we are told it's a raven's rules match after the match starts i don't think buffer announces that there's constant rope breaks. There's nothing about this match that's a Raven's Rules match to begin. Raven uses a chair to equalize the match. I guess that's the first Raven's Rules-y thing he does. I, I suppose, though, Dave, when it's a Raven's Rules, yeah. anything goes. So if there's rope breaks, then that must be Raven's Rules. Because <laughs> any rule goes. Yeah. yeah it's, also a ca- it's also a cage match, but there's no cage. If you find a cage and climb out of it, you'd win. But it's very hard to find a cage. He's trying to break out of the cage in his mind. <laughs> that's, oh man, I'm, that's definitely a Raven promo somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the big spear by Goldberg after the chair gets involved and he gets top dropped, hole holded onto it. This, of course, gets the goon squad. This, of course, gets the flock involved, who he knows sells multiple things to and just takes them out one by one. Including uh, big old Jack Hammer to is the the biggest member is Reese, isn't it? Yeah, to Reese and no selling a stop sign to the head by Horace Hogan, which in fairness did not look like it hurt. I never got why the stop signs are supposed to hurt. It makes a great sound. Yeah, they, they, they do make fantastic sounds. Yeah, Raven tries to escape through the crowd, but the there's uh, fake fans planted there to throw him back towards the ring. I thought that was kind of cool. Nice spot. Back in the ring, another spear, a jackhammer, and there's a new champ in town, Goldberg, with his first gold in the company, and the crowd are epileptic. They are absolutely going wild for him. This is the closest thing to a squash in a title match you'll get outside of kind of Ultimate Warrior shenanigans. I don't think I can think of anything faster, but similar. I don't think Raven comes off too bad, more that Goldberg just looks insurmountable, but I do feel bad for him having the title for exactly one night. Yeah, so th- that's something I wanted to bring up pretty much right away is what's the proper timetable to have this match? Should we have it like a month down the line, like at the next pay-per-view and like have that as the headliner? Or where else do you think this should have been? 
So I think if there's no considerations for ratings, which I think this is very much a consideration for ratings, uh, yeah, about a month. Just have him uh, have Raven hide behind the flock for a month, I think, or maybe two months, and have Goldberg chase it. Like he literally has five cronies that he can just wreck for a month on nitros, right? Yeah, no, I I agree with you, particularly just because we've had pretty much the same match just the day before. This was one of my favorite matches from Goldberg when when I thought about it. But after watching it in context, after seeing the match with Saturn, I realized, well, we just had the same match, so it, it doesn't seem like it's as good. Yeah, I can see a huge diminishing returns on this already, because especially since we're lining up all his pay-per-views, I think they're going to become very same-ish. But yeah, it's hard to say. Like I, I would, I would like to see a more traditional pay-per-view approach to this, where they built up the feud a little. But I get what I get what they're doing. They're trying to win back the ratings since they've lost them, right? I I don't think spending another month is going to be any more beneficial than doing it now. He spent so much time beating up idiots already. Yeah, and if you commit to the month, you're committing to him beating up idiots for another month, and you run the risk of people getting bored. That's fair. So That's a fair point. Just do it. And now he has a slightly different thing going on because now he's the person that people can go after as opposed to him going after them. So you get to tell a slightly different story. I doubt it'll be particularly different considering how it is, but it at least ramps the character to a different stage and you can hopefully then push him on forward. Sucks for Raven, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, my, my month's consideration was definitely more for Raven than Goldberg. I, I think it's fine to give Goldberg a title now, as you said, to keep people's interest. But I just, yeah, like why bother giving it to Raven at all? Just so you can have heel versus face dynamic more. Yeah, and he's a, le- he's a legit opponent, I think, yeah, as, yeah. as we said. And he's a really good worker. I think he's very underrated. The, some of the bumps he was taking, he made Goldberg look like fucking awesome in this match just just the the irish whips into like the guardrail on the outside he sold like a boss for that he he also knew how to take the spear it's surprising Mm -hmm. how many people haven't taken the spear properly if you watch one of the slow motions they do he like jumps into it to let goldberg hit him like right in the stomach and he like folds over and stuff in contrast to mongo who took it like you take an actual tackle and just tensed up I agree. Like Raven made him look great here. Raven did, Raven did a great job, and yeah, it's it's nice to have the flock come in and just knock away all the bozos. But I think I agree with both your points. It's it's a bit of a rehash of the exact same match, and maybe this doesn't show four planning. Like why why have him have the same match with Saturn? Why not just have him beat Saturn in one move then or something? There is one big difference that you did bring up in your telling of the match is the the fans kind of throwing him back. I think that was the best touch for it. Yeah, because as this was a tiny detail that WCW usually doesn't get, so they're calling back to the fans like attacking Raven in previous weeks. So there's this kind of this battle between the fans and Raven. So that makes sense, even though like looking back on as a smart wrestling fan, you know those are plant fans. Yeah, but it's still it's but it's yeah. still it looks great. It doesn't look like the fans look legitimately pissed off and look look like they throw them really like really aggressively to the floor. So the whole yeah, thing he lands, works. Ca- he, he lands kind of hard for sure. Yeah, it looks great. It looks fantastic. I will say I, I love the storytelling aspect of that. Hindsight being what it is, it's probably not great to tell the WCW fans they should be getting involved. Yeah, that's why they cut <laughs> yeah, it short. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of issues if you watch some compilation videos on YouTube with this stuff <laughs> as the company goes. But 
yeah, f- fantastic storytelling. And I, I think they do a great job. And as I said, I was a, kind of afraid Raven was getting buried here, but I didn't feel like he was getting buried. I just felt like he came up against something that's unstoppable at the moment. Yeah, he didn't feel that way. I watched a shoot interview of him talking about the match. He was very proud of it. He said it was, it was one of the better matches that Goldberg has. Obviously, he's going to put himself over there. But yeah, he, he said he, he didn't. He he thought he had great matches with Goldberg. He he says he forgot about it, but he had another. He has another match with Goldberg at some time on Thunder. So looking forward to that one too. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. they did a really good job with this. They put it in a prominent spot. They gave it a bit of time. They played out a decent story. They made Goldberg look even better. I think it, it worked on pretty much every level, which is rare for WCW. Yeah, home run. After this match, of course, we get more Nitro Girls. Third dance, neat. And straight after Nitro Girls, uh, we get match number five, which is a capeless Ultimo Dragon versus La Parca. No pyro either, man. They've, yeah. They have lost faith in Ultimo Dragon. When when you look that good in that gear, though, oh, you don't need anything else. <laughs> hundred, but these guys actually have a quite a good match. I don't really have much of it to like point out because it's very typical spots by both wrestlers. But uh, we've seen some botchy matches depending on their opponents by both participants. This wasn't the case. It was just really nice, smooth match by both people. The Parker getting a lot of offense in. I noted as well. I got a couple notes for you, Dave. Uh, one thing that stood out to me. I, it always bugs me when wrestlers bring out the chair that have the felt on it because you know no they're not going to use that chair (laughs) the chair's useless what are you doing (laughs) you're not allowed to hit him with that yeah that's absolutely fair i hadn't noted that i also noted the laparka got some heat in this match you know when he tried to do the the little strut dance crowd was booing him so dave you must have been really happy with this one yeah the crowd love ultimato is the thing i don't know if it's as much hate for laparka but the crowd always like Ultimo. I'm surprised he didn't get some more prominence. I know at the start he got a lot of the Cruiserweight Championships and TV Championships, but kind of sad to see them not invest as much into him, I think. Before this match at all kicked into high gear after some spots, Eddie drags Chavo down, and he's like an unwilling Chavo. He's like dragging by his hair and stuff. And they're being sneaky. They're like under haunches. They're like kneeled down about it, which is like, shoot, they can't see us in the ring. It's so funny. Uh, Chavo reluctantly gets involved in a distraction, Eddie distracting the ref, and Chavo knocking Ultimo off the top rope. Uh, that lets La Par- hit the body attack. I think is is that his finish? That was like a corkscrew plancho. They've called it into. I don't know. It was cool. Well, that was the main. It was thing. very cool. I always love, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but I love kind of chubby, chubby luchadors because it's so funny, like how athletic they are. But it's this obviously Dave's new fetish. <laughs> yeah, this is my fetish. Just because there's still hope for him, Connor. Well, yeah, <laughs> get, the, get the chain wrestling. Then. It's like I don't but, need to lose all that much weight. I can do this. No, the Parker can do plancha corkscrews. There's a way I can learn them and still be overweight. I can <laughs> okay. Basically, no, but it's always so amazing to see to see because, like, in contrast, when you see American wrestlers that shape probably more out of shape than the Parker people, like Public Enemy. They do nothing. They just throw punches. But that, like the Palancha corkscrew at the end there was really impressive. But yeah, this is another great kind of moment for Eddie. The Chavo Eddie stuff has been entertaining. And uh, I'm still excited to see where it goes. But uh, unfortunately, not much of a showing for Ultimo here. I was starting to wonder about halfway through the match. I'm like, oh, this is still going. What is going on? And then Eddie and, and Chavo showed up. I'm like, oh, okay, right, right. They had to do some form of interference. It's, it's like three times as long as four of the other matches on the show <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's one of the longest matches on the show it's pretty funny jeez 
Yeah, at least with all the other pointless matches, this one has some story like interjected into it. This is the typical kind of like attitude era. Like you don't want to have your stars wrestling just in case they get hurt. Mm. So you know, send the undercard guys in there, but have the like the real guys involved involved story wise. So yeah, I thought this was actually not you know not a home run, but this is effective way to use TV time. Yeah, agree. Onto the sixth match of the night: Chris Benoit versus Hennig. Chris Benoit comes out with zero energy here. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Like, just didn't look up for it, wasn't doing his usual stuff, just not even mean mugging people, just looked like he was walking about the place. Oh, yeah. just to point out before this match, Bobby shows up, so it must be the third hour of, of Nitro. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting into the third hour because when um, when Hennig and Rude comes out, uh, we get replacements of commentary. We get, a, we get Brian and Rude for a bit replaces Tanae, which I... I was already hoping it was going to be for the rest of the night. Rude is a great on commentary. Yeah, he does this every week. He'll just join for a couple minutes, and then you know what happens. <laughs> Aw. Benoit goes straight after Hennig's uh, knee, which is completely strapped up. Rude on commentary says that Hennig's knee is extremely injured, and he told him not to wrestle, but you can't stop Hennig from wrestling in a match. Seems very stupid if stupid. one kicks your knee. <laughs> Stops hey, you from wrestling. Rick Rude managing to get over his partner in 20 seconds quicker than most commentators true. do. Yeah, <laughs> true. Rude's commentary doesn't last long, like we noted. Uh, he comes down to the ring to help because uh, Hennig is shouting for Rude for help, which I thought was great. Just shouts for him in the middle of the match. And he's like, I'm coming. <laughs> and he just leaves commentary. <laughs> I love Rick Rude, man. He's just... Every, every time he shows up in this, it's just a joy to watch, like, whether it's his insights or his comically overacted punches it's just yeah brilliant yeah. again as, as you as you noted in the previous episode this doesn't really seem like nwo stuff but yeah it's still entertaining yeah it's uh, the hennig isn't having great matches anymore but both of them like have such charisma and just uh, they genuinely look like they're having fun with what they're doing even if they're the bad guys that it, it brings a smile to my face every time uh, rude interference gives Hennig some breathing room, but it doesn't last. Chris just locks in the cross face when Hennig sets up a suplex. But Rude <laughs> comically jumps across half the ring to break up the cross face. Can't bear to see his friend in any pain. And they start to beat down Benoit. Booker strolls down to the ring at a, leisure, a leisurely pace <laughs> and is like, come on, guys, enough of those shenanigans, and breaks up. Benoit hates this for some reason and stops Booker on the ramp and they brawl to the back because Benoit is a grumpy boy and that's his gimmick. He's the grumpiest of boys. What a weird segment. They just don't know what to do with any of these guys. It's no. unfortunate with all the talent. Well, Benoit is white bread. Like he can't, he can't carry any gimmick. So, <laughs> yeah, his gimmick is literally I, do, I, I prefer to be beat up than helped. I'm like, oh, I guess you're like a resilient baby face. He's just gonna be a dickwad heel now, probably with Booker yeah. anyway. I'd like to blame him, like I've done before, but at this point, it seems like also creative options just don't know what to do with him. I don't think he actually, if you look at it, improves that much in his WWE run to some of the stuff he's doing here. But WWE know what to do with him. Put him with really good wrestlers and just let him wrestle, you know. Well, they let the the important thing is they let the more talented personalities work around him. That's also true. And yeah. figure it out for him. And he just has to go along with it. Yeah, and very he good has point. an amazing very match with whoever it is, and that's his that's his end of the bargain. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mean Gene is back in the ring and he calls for Commissioner Piper. And I will be very honest and completely forgot he was the commissioner, even though it was definitely mentioned. He's not really. I don't. That's that's part of the confusing part. Sometimes Dylan's the commissioners or the chairman to the WCW committee or whatever it is. And then, you know, we're told as fans that Bischoff is supposed to be that, but he hasn't really done anything as an authority figure in, I don't know, a year. So (laughs) I don't know what to think anymore. Uh, Piper, how many dates have you got left? Oh, you know, a couple. All right, you're commissioner tonight. Come on in. Piper amps up the crowd, in fairness, says something about uh, frat houses, like party harder than frat houses. Like, so tying it in with your promotional stuff, you gotta, you got to like that. Uh, and he's out to change the main event, which is to make it a no DQ match for some reason. Though that doesn't make any sense because he's trying to punish Hogan but Hogan isn't the champion, so don't DQs benefit the champion greatly? Mm-hmm. Dumb. Uh, Correct. Really <laughs> dumb. And then the other changes he makes are that no one's going to get involved, but he doesn't penalize people. He's not like, Hogan can't win the title if someone interferes. He's like, I have an army of soldiers that will come out and fight you if people interfere. Like, okay, well, that They're makes sense. They're banned from ringside, right? Isn't, isn't that you would think, yeah, but they're not be, officially. It, he never says banned. He's just like okay. they're not allowed. I don't want them there. Like he's never like if if someone comes to ringside, they're banned because of this, or they'll get fired, or like some kind of coherency like that. They're just like they're not going to be there because I'll beat them up with my soldiers. My favorite part of the promo, he says, "We're going to have the best heavyweight championship world fight tonight." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember this. A surprisingly so. coherent Piper promo. What was in like? Changing the match makes no sense, but that's not his fault. It was Booking's fault. The rest of it was just buzzwords that got the crowd going. So yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. It was fun for the crowd. So yeah, it was it was definitely effective, and it it would have been more effective if uh, he held true to his word. But unfortunately, this is kind of where we got in with Piper. Just anytime he's involved, bad things happen. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm starting to think he goes into business for himself sometimes. Like, just go out there and amp the crowd. Yeah, I'll make it no DQ. No, that's not the <laughs> that's not the plan for the main event. Wow. They love no DQ. Actually, I'll make it they, no DQ. That's crazy. I've never thought about that. That, but that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, right. I just needed to jazz it up a little, okay? Because <laughs> the way yeah the no way DQ. the match that yeah the way the match is booked, it doesn't seem like that that was the plan. So, so uh, I yeah. think. I would not be surprised if he was vaguely told, listen, go out there and tell them that you'll beat people up that come in and interfere. Like, you're going to be like an enforcer. I'm like, yeah, I can do that because it's going to be no TQ. Well, no, what, sorry, what did you say, Piper? Uh, no, nothing, nothing. I'm just going to get, get a map, get a map. Can I do half my face in black? No, let's, mm, no, let's just, let's just say your buzzwords. Uh, <laughs> after this, after this refreshing Piper take, we get the seventh match of the night that's uh, Saturn versus Hammer and just kind of like, mini split feud they're having like the infighting in the flock which is very soon the flock have not been an entity for that long at this stage this is a classic neither men can wait to get their hands on each other so they're fighting up the ramp they do a bit of a brawl inside the ring which is pretty high intensity there's not there's no rest holds there's not much uh, stopping uh, after a while they spill back to the outside and they hate each other so much they don't want to stop fighting until there's a count out and they just keep brawling until the fans can't see them anymore Tony uh, properly builds this up and says, Saturn and Hammer have have a bigger dispute than the flock itself. I'm like, oh, that's great. Way, way to bury the flock, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, this match is, I, I don't know. I don't know if this feud is needed. I, hope that- it, I guess it's needed, but they don't build it up. The commentary are too busy talking about 
you know, the Goldberg match that we just watched, that's it was a big deal. So I, I, I get them talking about it. I get them talking constantly about the main event. Problem is that they, they need to tell us what's going on with this feud because they really haven't given us much. But it's, oh, Hammer and Saturn, they have their differences. Great. That yeah. gives us nothing. The brawling yeah. might have been more impactful if we hadn't literally just seen that with Booker and Ben Waswell. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I said to start. They they put so many similar segments right next to each other because they're more concerned with ratings than the actual pacing of the show, which I'm not saying is wrong. Is is just what they're doing. Yeah, that stuff like this happens all the time. Where you're like, wow, I just saw exactly that Hogan into Macho promo and Macho going, "Where's that coward?" I'm like. Macho, he was out here two seconds ago, bro. Like, <laughs> you, you passed him in Gorilla. <laughs> you just missed him. <laughs> so it leads to moments like that, but I think people are so hot for it, they don't care. Like They're taking se- se- segments kind of individually. This is a bit throwaway, but Saturn Saturn was good, and I hope it leads to better stuff from Saturn, maybe solo opposed to a flock member. Eight match of the night, they're still employed, so uh, you can definitely be employed too. Public Enemy versus uh, Bagwell and Steiner. The second NWO team, uh, second NWO uh, members we've seen tonight, I think, and still no real. There's more dissension between these two, but that dissension was there from the start. That whole, you know, they pose off, they keep posing in front of each other, and they argue a bit. That was their dynamic before the split happened. So it isn't really adding to the story. So again, more NWO members that are just pretending that their organization isn't crumbling. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be a big problem, Dave. But since the commentary, literally every two minutes. Well, this NWO member, whose side are they going to be on? Whose side are they? Gonna, we're going to find out tonight, type of thing. Yeah, when when you see it like that, it's just like, come on, guys. This has got this fantastic image of like them that commentary going on, and in the meantime, it's Steiner and Buff Bagwell going through a field picking daisies, like going, la la la. Yeah, so meanwhile, happy. Buff Bagwell is like having sex with the camera. Like, <laughs> my God, the things he was doing in this match. To be fair, I love Buff Stick. Like, it's it's total nonsense. But man, if he had been able to wrestle and hadn't crippled himself, he would have been really good. Yeah, yeah. It's, this is literally the day before it happens. Oh, really? That's tragic. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that watching it. That's real sad. And honestly, like I, I, I go on about not liking Buff Bagwell here. His technique is effective because he like he mocks and dances like the public enemy does. So it's funny. It gets heat. It's just it's overdone. Like he's, he's just so overbearing that yeah. I want to change the channel. <laughs> he doesn't know when to stop. Right? Yeah. That's his biggest uh, problem. Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah, I think that's a huge problem. Uh, there, there's some like... Um, I've seen some discussions, uh, I'll call it with Randy Orton about the kind of modern wrestling, slow down, you know, milk the crowd. I'm like, no, you don't just do that every time because it's incredibly boring and I just want to stop watching. And that's exactly what Buff does here. You know, someone's an old school guy has definitely told Buff at one stage, milk the crowd every opportunity you have. You know, it's much better than just doing move after move. Like, yeah, but do one move, Buff, somewhere. They work well as a team. I like their dynamic. This is not much of a match. The public enemy put themselves to their table again. And the ending's kind of cool where Scott goes for the recliner, but Buff begs him to let him do the blockbuster instead. So they do the blockbuster and and win the match that way. My highlights for this match. I like how the public enemy, they label their table as TPE. That was pretty lame. Needs to know who who it belongs to, even though we're planning to break it. So catering, don't take it, right? (laughs) Oh, classic commentary um, uh, dynamic from Tony and Brain. So Tony uh, goes, 
I can tell you what we're seeing right now. And no hesitation. Brain goes wrestling. <laughs> you can tell Tony's like, you piece of shit. It's <laughs> <piece of> <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, the oh. only the only noteworthy spot I have in this match is Scott being a bit of a freak. Scott actually has quite a good match here because he's had some messy ones recently where Rocco Rock is on Scott's back in a sleeper hold. And Scott just spins him around like a rag doll, catches him into a belly to belly and just throws him over his back. And I was like, wow. When Scott wants to wrestle, he can wrestle. That is uh, that is impressive. I enjoyed this match. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fine. Quite, quite a bit. It's two really good tag team guys. Yeah. Because that's what they were at the time. And the public enemy being the public enemy. So it's good. Probably one of the better public enemy matches we've seen on the cast because they don't botch anything. They don't, they don't do much, but they throw some believable looking punches that like... At one stage, one of them hits a double bulldog on the NWO members, and it all looks fine. And then they do their stupid table spot that makes no sense to ever to do. And I'm not <laughs> sure why it isn't a DQ every time. Because they hurt themselves, so it's fine. And that backfires like it deserves to every time. It's like Kevin Owens with his debt machines. Like He's just going to go through it every time. Stop bringing the tables to the ring, lads. So at another fine match. A lot of fine matches so far. Ninth match of the night, and we have Booker T, current TV champion versus Psychosis for the title. Booker, we've already seen get beat up by Chris Benoit about five minutes ago. So again, I, it's kind of weird to see him out already and just selling no effects of a of a fight with Benoit. All Booker in the early exchanges, but Psychosis is able to bring himself back into the match by attacking Booker's knee. And then Booker stops selling it completely, hits a ha- Alabama slam, hits a Harlem sidekick, and is still using the missile drop kick as his finish. For the one, two, three. Again, great. These these are talents you want to get on TV. Booker needs to co- uh, go over strong, especially if you're setting him up for another feud. Was very much expecting Benoit to come out and at least give him some dirty looks or something. But you have a thought, yeah, yeah. You you could tell this was a last second ad. You got you guys go have a match. I mean, psychosis, really? Sure. Booker, did, but psychosis just walks down the hall. So some uh, some catering in his hand, like, hey, that's not free, you know. Go out there and wrestle, Booker. Get him. A lot of, lot of uh, Lucha guys on it. They pro- probably were like, oh shit, they're going back to Mexico next week. Uh, I guess we better use them while we have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, I, I've I've been very down on Psychosis lately because, you know, he had that great match starting starting out and he was kind of prominent early in the division. Then for some reason he was with Sonny and just, he is kind of shit. I, I thought he was actually a good wrestler. <laughs> but I've, I've been very disappointed with his past couple of months. Mm. The the other I think the other luchadors have just moved on from strength to strength and he's kind of stagnated. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's bad or I'm just like expecting him to improve as much as the others have, and maybe that's not fair. He's playing more of a heel, I suppose, yeah. uh, which is tougher. Although Laparca is a heel, but he has a stupid, stupid gimmick going that's on. So kind of, he doesn't know what he wants to be. Almost, yeah, yeah, well, and that might not, not be his fault. Like he's just been thrown into a match. And even the dynamic here is weird, where at the start of the match, like Booker gets all up into his face, even though Booker is like the, the face, but he, I guess he's the cool, like I don't give a shit face kind of Austin type, Austin Rock type. I don't know. It's a squash. At, le- at least it's with a notable, like at least psych- Psychosis gets some TV time. Match number 10 of the night. It's crazy to say. So many matches. So many two second matches. Lex Luger versus Brian Adams with Vincent. This is a throwaway match. Uh, it's an excuse for Lex Luger to put some NWO cronies in the rack. 
Should we talk about Crush? I mean, we haven't really talked about yeah. him on the cast because it's the first time we're seeing him on the cast, I think. Yeah. He's uh, bad, he, right? You got he's terrible, right? I mean, I love him, but in a like hossy white, big white dude way. Like he's not a good wrestler. <laughs> no, God. He, he, he was for a while. Yeah, when he's younger, but at this period not not great. I think he's fine. Like, he get, when uh, he's when real does he bad become, here. <laughs> when does he become part of Chronic? Uh, at least another six months to a year away. Yeah, he's like fine in Chronic. He's like average big guy, knows his spots, doesn't do anything special. Somebody um, needs to talk to him about his wrestling gear here. It's yeah, truly awful. And just everything in this match, because I thought his selling was really bad here. Like his emotion just was. It's it's nowhere. He's very fl- a couple of the guys have been though. I, I noted that about someone early, or Chris Benoit, and then Rocco Rock in the last match. Like Johnny Grunge was like giving it like everything and waving his hands against the fans, and Rocco barely had his hand up at like the back of the table and. And it's the same here. It's like it's kind of like Brian Adams. Like, yeah, I'm gonna do the job, so I'm not gonna put much effort in. Yeah, <laughs> I could well believe that's him going. Oh, I don't care. They're not using me. Does he have a finisher? Like, did he have a finisher in the WWF? I know, like the heart punch. Okay, the most I, I'm not even kidding. It was a heart punch, <laughs> and wow. he he used to do a head crush as well. Yeah, that I know. See, I only the know voice. I only know his his crush gimmick. I, I don't. I don't remember his time in uh, what was the was he in DOA or yeah it was DOA I think it yeah. was DOA okay. yeah, yeah. So I, I I don't remember his time in DOA or his previous gimmicks either so it's either Crush or just from what I've seen here and he every time he's on any show I groan he's bad. I don't think he uses that anymore at this period but it was, the heart punch was the was one of the ones he used to do he's just so average like I, I don't want to say bad because we've seen some truly bad wrestlers but. Yeah, he's so meh, but like, if they don't believe in their NWO cronies, if they don't want us to like feel anything for them, we won't. They haven't put any effort into Brian here. He's just a big white dude. That's that's he, really why he's a wrestler. He also loses not to the rack, but a diving <laughs> lariat. Yeah, the, count, <laughs> the bionic forearm. The Lame. bionic forearm. <laughs> There's a plate in there somewhere. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Probably actually really hurt. Yeah, I, I guess you know your big your big uh, faces don't all. Don't always win with their finishers on nitros, and that's fine. But yeah, it just makes them look like a mook. Just put them in the rack. We want to see them act. You wouldn't want to jack the crowd up too much before the main event, you see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, only two NWO members get put into submissions, not not three. That's one too many. How dare you? And then our eleventh match of the night. I hope you guys are excited because it's officially the hundred and seventy second meeting of Savage and Hogan. Oh, what a fresh concept! I'm ready. I'm ready. Buffer is out to do the intros, and he introduces Hogan in his usual way. But Hogan grabs the mic after he's out and randomly just berates Macho. He's like, "Come out here, you coward!" I'm like, "But well, he is good. He's about to come out. Wasting that's time. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. That's how wrestling works. He's about to come out. It was it was something to break up the NWO theme playing back to back. That's the only thing I can think of. Oh no, yeah. because he has Voodoo Child. That's true. That's true. That's true. I think. It, NWO music hits before commercial, but then it starts again after yeah. commercial. Yeah, maybe he's doing that and he thinks he's on a break. Maybe, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Okay. That makes a lot mm. more sense. Yep. Or, or okay. maybe they're like, we don't want Macho to come not. out pre-break. <laughs> like maybe they're like, oh, fuck, you, you need to take like four minutes to come to the ring, so we go into break before Macho comes out. And he only took three, and the ref's like, we need another minute. Like Maybe something like that. I don't know. It was very weird. It was very undermining because the other reason I can give 
is Macho called Hogan a coward multiple times in his promo. So it's just like, I'm, I'm going to get the last word, not you, kind of thing. No, you're the coward. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and then we go to a break, and we come back to Macho coming out to the ring as well. Same kind of spiel from Buffer. Maybe not his uh, best intros, but still still nice. Makes it feel like an occasion, I think. And I hated this match. This match made no sense, because it was no DQ. But the competitors very obviously didn't know it was no DQ, because there was rope breaks all the time. There was multiple ref spots where the ref was like pulling them off each other and threatening to disqualify them. And the disciple kept getting involved, which is fine, except Hogan would have to distract the ref so he didn't see the disciple. It made no sense, and it made me very mad. And then the, the, the commentary are trying to like explain it away, going, oh, Nick Patrick wants to keep it fair, so he's like ripping them off, even though he can't DQ them if they don't let go. Well, that makes Hogan and Macho look like idiots forever letting go of holds, so you're undermining your performers here, and... Savage coming into the match is like selling all sorts of injuries, his arms, his knees, his head, everything. He's selling quite well in this match for Hogan and uh, halfway through the match. And here comes the weight belt. I'm so sick of this stupid, stupid spot, but at least it's no DQ this time. So it can make some sense. Randy, after receiving a whipping, of course, has to turn the tables and does the whipping of his own. These whips, even though Hogan has barely taken one other move in the match, Set up for Randy to hit a big elbow from the top rope, but he's just too hurt to pin. He rolls towards the ropes instead of rolling towards Hogan to pin him, which also doesn't... I, I, I always hate these spots as well. Step over toe hold by Hogan. Terry Funk would like to have words, or Dory Funk would like to have words, into a very clumsy-looking figure four. And I've seen Hogan apply this before, and it's like he's a bit too tall to do the figure four. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Sure. Do you guys think this was a shot at Flair? Because this is right when Bischoff and Flair are having their disputes in court here. Oh, maybe, actually. I forgot that timeline. I'm, I'm probably so reading too much into it, but it, <laughs> this was just very jarring. Yeah, because you're not used to Hogan doing wrestling moves. Wrestling moves. <laughs> also, like Macho was in there for like 10 minutes. He's lied there for ages being in pain to kind of sell it. Macho is choking Hogan in the corner after this figure four and uh, throws Nick Patrick away whenever he tries to break him up. <laughs> He's like, fucks him halfway across the ring. It's fantastic. And I thought this was going to be a ref bump and he'd be knocked out or hit his head from this. But instead, after the third time, Disciple just comes into the ring and neck breakers the referee of all the wrestling moves to do to a referee. A fucking terrible neck breaker. <laughs> yeah. Terrible neck Stellar. breaker. Stellar. Stellar ref bump by Patrick, though. <laughs> yeah, acts like he's dead. Yeah. See, if you, if normal humans take neck breakers, we die. This is why these people are athletes. He was wearing that neck brace at the one time, so good callback, right? <laughs> yeah, good yeah, long term. <laughs> nice <booking>. callback. <laughs> Disciple and Hogan go about wrecking Savage's legs, and I actually kind of like this moment because um, I love Hogan going. Yeah, I heard it snap there. We snapped his leg. I heard it snap. Why can the man walk then, Hogan? Don't say that and stuff like that. Nash comes down to make the save, but Bish just like holds onto his leg, clings onto Nash's leg, so he can't move. I thought it was a fan for a moment. Yeah, even commentary's <laughs> like, who's that? Trying to <laughs> Who's that player? And of course, yeah, Bish it always bothers me that Bischoff comes down to the ring with like sweatpants and yeah, what? his what? lame jean jacket. Like, come on, dude. The, those sweatpants really bothered me because they weren't quite Zubaz pants, <laughs> but they weren't 
regular pants and they just they just looked really odd running just, a million dollar company right there <laughs> yeah exactly awesome <laughs> he's just detail orientated you know stuff like that kev fights all three men off even with a with a bischoff like kicking him to stop him from powerbombing hogan and it looks like nash is genuine pissed off and just turns around and hits him but it genuinely looks like oh fuck's sake let me just do a jackhammer and i want to go home no okay okay i have to set it up again Hits the jackhammer on Hogan after disposing of Bish. Drapes um, Macho over over Hogan and then tries to raise Nick Patrick from the dead. But Bret Hart is out to the ring. And whose side is he on anyway? And Bret just clocks. Doesn't make any kind of swerve. Doesn't make it look like he's doing something else. Just completely clocks Nash with the belt. Puts uh, Hogan over Macho, though I don't know the last time Macho took a move. Oh, I guess, uh, sorry, I skipped a little bit. He took a stunner from the Disciple, which they call the Apocalypse, which is what refers back to all the stuff that they were saying in the opening promo. Why are multiple moments of the opening promo spent on the name of the finisher of the guy we don't know? Brett has a, a lot more success surviving the, the ref than Big, uh, Big Sexy did. And they count the three. That stunner is very powerful. Savage was out for about 20 minutes. Piper is fuming coming to the ring. Where, where's his army? There was like seven run-ins. I, like, <laughs> it seems like entirely his own fault in making. And he's getting in Brett's face. Uh, but after a while, Brett just punches him in the jaw. And I like the smirk Brett has when he walks off. Little smirk. It's nice to see Brett smile again. It's been years. I, I, I do like the the dynamic to see Piper and and Hart kind of face off since they were that great feud back in what was it WrestleMania like seven or eight or something like that. This was the reason why I wanted to do this episode was this whole <laughs> moment here. By the way, your new champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> There's nothing quite like a bit of tomfoolery in the main event, is there? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's every episode. I mean, the, you could see crowd waiting for the run-in. <laughs> yeah. They they stand up at one point. They're like, "Oh, somebody's coming out." No, 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 no. Yeah. All right, well, I guess we'll just keep standing because I'm sure somebody's coming out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's the, Nash. There we go. There this we. this won't end normally. Don't be don't be ridiculous. It just seemed like multiple people were on different pages. Like Piper's DQ stipulation doesn't make any sense. Piper promising that multiple people would get involved if like. His soldiers would stop people and beat people up. Who were his soldiers? The fuck was he referring to? Where were they? It's such a it's such a weird moment. Particularly Nash, like Nash would always be by Savage and like, well, I'm the new leader, so I'm gonna help you out, brother. And then he's just not there for some reason. Yeah, why doesn't he come out to the ring? Why is Disciple allowed at ringside initially? Why is Disciple in the storyline? Why is Disciple hired by the company? So many questions to digest in this episode. It's sad because I, I don't even mind it. Like, I don't like that they've fucked Sting this much, who's not even on the entire episode. <laughs> just, just a reminder there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even mind that too much. I don't even mind them hot-shotting the title where they don't want Hogan to beat Sting. I get it a little bit. They want to create this split. The split is going to be big money, big storyline. I get it. But there's no coherency. There's no logic. There's no even... It feels like everyone's on a completely different page coming into this match. And it's so sloppy, and I hated it. I hated having to watch it. I think you tapped in something important there because this whole the whole Brett thing getting involved, like there was a little bit of it. But it still feels like it's out of left field, though. Because he's the guy that says, like, 
I'm going to make sure nobody gets screwed here. But it still feels like he's, this is like a turn that he's on the NWO side. So it's just, I, I don't know. The, the, this guy just really isn't established in WCW. It makes sense. He's he's the Thanos of their universe. He didn't say he'd only help good guys not get screwed. No one's get screwed while Brett's around. See, I was hoping that was the gimmick that they were going to go for. Kind of like a yeah. Stone Cold thing. Like, I'm just going to in- interfere in matches. Yeah. Just, just to be a dick. Like, yeah. I, I, what was it? Stone Cold would just like interfere with all matches just because he wanted to figure out who ran him over or whatever. There was, like a, there, there was like a raw. There was, this happened twice. There was like a raw where like Austin interfered in genuinely like every match of the night to ruin the raw. Yeah. And then Undertaker did the same on one night. He just at the end of every match, Undertaker and Kane came out and just beat the shit out of the competitors. Right. It's stupid, but it's, it, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's effective to tell you like what this character is going through, what, what his motivations are. Yeah, it's a storyline, which is a lot more than what Brett has at the moment. He has nothing. It's yeah. it's weird. It just him in in particular, I can't really believe it. At least when Hogan turned, he was around, he was in the company for what, 2 years at least. Yeah. So we we've oh, seen like something. 3 or 4 even. Yeah. How many matches has Brett had in WCW? Do you guys know? I'm going to hazard a guess of 2. Oh, I was going to say a couple more than that. Ten, I would say tops. <laughs> well, yeah, we've covered two, so <laughs> yeah, that, that, that so, gives yeah. that. I'm counting TV matches here. He's had five. Oh, I, I, I thought you were genuinely going to say only the two we've seen. But even then, that's not. He's been in the company for what five months, four months now. He's getting that's, paid an ungodly amount of money as well. They're doing Nitro and Thunder every week. Now, I'm not counting. But he did have some matches on WCW Live, which I'm not sure when that aired or whatever. I only count really the Nitro and Thunders because those are the ones that matter. Yeah, that's fair. So, but yeah, singles matches, there's only four. The fifth one was a tag match. Who did he this tag whole, with? Uh, that was the weird thing. He tagged with Sting because he was always on Sting's back. So that's why sure. he saved Sting when Nash tried to get involved here. Yeah. This whole thing has been very muddied and... His involvement going forward is very confusing. I've tried to look up like, oh, so he's in the NWO, right? And from several things I've read, it's like, no, he's not an official member, but he's kind of hangs out with Hogan and will endorse him. I don't know, man. WCW, they they just go off the rails here. You can tell just how just unorganized and down this weird rabbit hole we go to. But yeah, it does make sense, though. Hot shot in the title. We know Goldberg's going to be the guy who's the best yeah. opponent. It's going to be Hogan. Yeah, the Sting thing maybe is on its course, as we said, maybe not as hot as it used to be. And we have the likes of DDP and Goldberg coming up. Maybe you want it on some heels for them to come contest. I could see it. They have dropped the ball with Sting, and they haven't dropped the ball with those other competitors yet. It's so bad that it's back on Hogan, though, to an extent. Like, why not just put it on a different heel? Why not just have Macho be, like... Still a heel. I know he's getting a lot of cheering because he's anti-Hogan, but the NWO are still heels at the end of the day. They could keep it for a while, feud internally over it, and then a face could come and take it off them. It's very political feeling, but everything with Hogan feels political. Well, keep in mind, we mentioned that Savage is hurt, so this was, this was another necessary reason. Yeah, maybe we don't know what they're planning. Maybe after the pay-per-view, like, Savage is too hurt. That's true. It feels a lot of this stuff is very improvised. We say that about modern WF a lot, but it doesn't feel like they have a long-term plan at the moment. Yeah, that's that's a big difference, I think, what's going forward with WCW. Yeah. The past couple of years, they've seemed like, oh, okay, we have a general, I think, end goal here, but now it's, yeah, they they don't really. Now, now that they're desperate for ratings, which is still weird to me because they're 
both companies are just doing such whopper business that I don't know why you have to blow your wad on this. It's just like if you put a competent show, people are going to watch. Yeah, it's just such an ego thing, right? And this has been covered in documentaries and it's been covered in in books and stuff. But like we wanted to put the other guys out of business. And you're like, why? Or why did you want to do it so fast? You could have just had consistent good shows for years. And eventually one of the other businesses will either both thrive or you'll be so much bigger than them it doesn't matter. But instead, this is like a pay-per-view match. This could have been built for a month. They could have just had a big face-off. They could have had members choosing sides and a big match at the end of it. But instead, they just like burst on like one episode of Nitro. Like you already had a really big match for tonight. You already had Goldberg winning his title. Do you really need multiple big matches that are pay-per-view caliber? I, I, I understand if people get injured and stuff, you have to make changes and that's fair enough. But I think they really got rocked by the fact that they they got beat in the ratings. What a couple of weeks before this, or whatever. It's, yeah, it was. that's just so weird. We lost in the ratings for two weeks. All right, we have to make some drastic yeah. moves here. Change some titles. <laughs> like, I, I think they went. Okay. I think they were just sitting so pretty, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna roll them for the next six months, and the, they'll just have they'll go bankrupt or whatever, whatever the rumors were that Vince didn't have the money or whatever." And then when they lost, they were just like, "Oh." And then it happened again. They're like, oh, 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 we have to do something. We have to do something because this can't happen. We're, we're so close kind of thing. Yeah. It's just a really oddly put together show. I'd love to know the reasons behind it and why there's so many irrelevant matches and, <laughs> and just stuff kind of flung out on the time because they get one part of it really, really right. Like that, that Goldberg yeah. is perfect, pretty Fantastic, much. Fantastic, yeah. And they have the idea to go on, which is the breaking up of the NWO, but... They just don't follow through with it at all. Even though they sh- they feature about 18 different members <laughs> on the show itself, but none of them seem to care. None of them mention the fact that they're even in the NWO half the time. Yeah, it, fe- it feels, without going into too much fantasy booking, it feels like this was a huge storyline that's kind of dropped under a lap and it's like, has elements of real life, you know, like some of these guys genuinely didn't like each other and you could promote guys or if you ha- didn't have anything to do with Brett, you wanted them to heal. You could have him the leader of the new NWO faction and have a new what side is he on moment. But yep. instead you you do this and it's just ruined and I'm after looking back there just quickly and like I know I said eighteen facetiously, but there was eleven. Eleven different people <laughs> that are part of the NWO in one form or the other featured on the show in matches. God. The other thing again, I, I think Actually I've 12. said this on a couple pay per views now where I never believe, like, when they said WCW didn't know what to do with Brett, I thought they meant, you know, he didn't have a good feud for the first couple months, or, like, there there was a lot of him being in his streets and not having a new character, and that not getting as over as he used to be. I didn't know it literally meant they didn't use him for months. Literally had no idea what to do with him. Not just didn't know how to book a traditional babyface, like, literally didn't have matches or schedules for him. That's bizarre. I think there's a bit of a pattern, though, when when you do look at it, Brett is like Chris Benoit and is kind of like Dean in that they're very, very polished wrestlers and they have rudimentary personalities and gimmicks and they probably don't can't go very far with them. Now, Brett is on another level to the other two guys, but he would have been like that for the most part. And none of them seem to really connect for me anyway, uh, in all the stuff that we've that we've watched. I mean, Dean is only connecting right now because of the other person involved in the feud. That's true. 
So where I, where I come down on that though, when when listening to interviews and reading books, I see Brett is just more of a good team player. Yeah. When he comes into WCW, he said this in interviews that he'll ask Bischoff, "All right, what should I say?" And like he doesn't really give him anything. So like, what are my motivations? So he just doesn't know. He feels lost here. So he doesn't. He's grasping at straws when he's giving these promos. So that's kind of like where he's struggling here. Yeah. And he's just kind of repeating himself like, oh, I'm going to tear down the NWO. I'm not I'm going to not going to get people screwed, whatever like that. No, I would definitely agree with that. And that kind of follows on with what I'm trying to get to, I think, which is that these three guys, the ones I'm using examples, they're all really, really good wrestlers. And so because they're really good wrestlers, the people are just telling them, well, just go do what you do. And they're like, that's great. But that's only half of the battle. And then. They're not getting any advice or feedback with what to do with the other half of their their job. So they just don't connect, but they don't know how to treat them. Mm-hmm. I think where I'm getting at, though, is in contrast, when Brett has Vince, though, they oh, yeah, had yeah. that really good team team yeah, effort yeah, that yeah, Brett yeah. could be that main guy. But when you look at yeah. those other guys, I don't think Vince can make a great champion out of either of those guys. Oh, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, I, I do think Brett is on a different level to the other two. But I think they they have similar skill sets in the fact that like they're good wrestlers and WCW's opinion of them is to go, well, you're great wrestlers, so just go do that. And they don't put any effort into working with them beyond that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're, it's like almost the opposite of what Jericho's going through now, where Jericho's super inventive. So when he's left to his own accord, he thrives. But the non-inventive guys, which are still good at other things, Brett isn't that inventive, but extremely good when he does have his character down needs direction and if they're directionless like seems to as you said what bischoff seems to be doing not giving people proper direction like oh you're a professional wrestler you'll know what to do right and like well no you need to give me a script and they're like oh well we don't do that yeah again not even the script it's just just, yeah general just motivations and yeah what's my arc for two months am i going after this bad guy and they're like we don't know we'll we'll see how it goes and like well i have no idea how to deal with that as a, as a professional which, and, which and, and it's hard just with with how how confusing this nwo storyline yeah it's just hard for wrestlers to just grasp all right what, what do how do i deal with this these <coughs> factions that used to be kind of like these these rebels the outsiders but now they're just they're part of the company like what so it's, yeah. it's all confusing just for obviously fans but also yeah. like how wrestlers like how do i attack this it, i don't, it's, I don't think it's problem. any it's at all surprising that the people who are doing the best with what they're being given are the ones that are out for themselves mm. as characters yeah. and yeah. realistically as people. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really interested to see how this, the Wolfpack storyline continues after this. Cause now that I've seen it kind of start up, I can kind of understand where they're going, but there's other parts that I'm like, how do they get to this point? Cause there's some really confusing decisions we're going to see over the next month. Yeah, buckle up, guys. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember exactly who's in. Who's in it at the moment? I'm excited for the LWO. Is that our timeline? Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll get there. That's I think yes. like later on in the year. But no, Wolfpack. Like, they get their their core members. I think by if not next month, the the month after that. Yeah, we could rant all day uh, about the shortcomings of this main event. I think, but I have to ask you, Gus. At the end, did you enjoy this historic Nitro, and whose side are you on? I don't think I enjoyed it, to be to be honest. I mean, <laughs> I, I was trying to think. I was like, yeah, no, there was a couple of things, but like, it's too long, much like today's wrestling uh, shows with WWE. It's too long. It's too much filler. It's just too much 
stuff that's just a waste of your time. The high point, obviously, is Goldberg's bit. I think that's an excellent bit. And since the majority of ways that people get to watch this stuff now is through the network or some form of streaming, (laughs) sucks to be you, America, I would go and watch that. Would I watch the rest of it? No. I, I would just skip through it, watch that bit, enjoy that. I guess if you really want to feel 90s, go watch the Nitro Girls. <laughs> but whose side am I on? I think I said Chris very recently, so I don't want to pick him again. So I'm going to go with Eddie and Chavo because I thought that was a really good continuation of their storyline from the, the show on the pay-per-view. And it seems to be going somewhere. And I liked that. I liked the continuity behind it, which is can be rare with WCW. And they didn't waste our time. That I think that's very true, something awesome. that's very important with uh, con- that contrasts with all this other WCW stuff. And uh, how about you, Connor? Did you enjoy the show? Uh, I know you're very used to the Nitros when we're not. And whose side are you on? Yeah, man, I don't even know anymore if, if I enjoy these shows. I'm just glad to get through them sometimes. Uh, no, th- this wasn't a good show. They have had a lot other better shows. They utilized the talent way better. I'm talking about like Booker T. I'm talking about Chris Benoit. The matchups they've had were just awkward and painful. And same thing with the NWO members. They, they've used them way better in other episodes. So this was just not not a great night for them. For whose side I'm on, though, I would probably just stick with Goldberg. It's the easy answer. I was thinking maybe Jericho as well. Like it, it was it was a fun match. It, they, they just did all the high spots just to you know get it over quickly. But I feel like we've done the Hoovy already in kind of feels like we, we're still knocking Hoobie down a peg. He's lost several matches against Jericho, so I can't go through that, but I'm looking forward to the culmination with Dean Malenko. I can't wait to talk about that. That's absolutely fair. I, I'm struggling. Uh, I want to say I like the show because there's points of it that I laughed, that I enjoyed. I enjoyed Goldberg. I, a lot of nostalgia was really nice. Like This is one of the... I've not watched many modern Nitros, or modern as in in our timeline Nitros, so it's nice to see it in full kind of display but I can I can understand why wrestling's lost viewerships over the last ten to twenty years, guys. Like, how are these three hour shows surviving as TV shows? They are horrible. Oh my god, they're so, they're such filler and they're so frustrating, and nothing gets like complete, and no one has a full match. I, they're unwatchable, Connor. I'm sorry we make you do this. How many more months do we got? <laughs> <laughs> this is truly a part. And like, even I watched the Attitude Era, but I remember as a kid feeling frustrated watching. Like, I watched like post WCW, like kind of post invasion stuff when the shows were very similarly structured. And I was frustrated because they're like, this guy is going to be on the show. I'm like, I sure hope he wrestles. Oh, he didn't. But he insulted that, that woman and called that person gay, I guess. That's good enough. Uh, <laughs> and this is, if this is what it is every week, like I'm complaining about these big matches being on these people uh, on these nitros as well, but at least I got to watch Goldberg Raven. <laughs> like if, if they would save that for a pay-per-view, what, what would have we watched? Cyclope maybe? I don't know. So good I, tease. I, yeah. Good. yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Can... <laughs> man, man, just think of the continuity they could have got if they'd actually used Cyclope. A couple of weeks before the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think I can enjoy I enjoyed moments, but I, I think the structure of the show is just not really watchable. As for whose side I'm on, it's a hard one this week. Ultimo Dragons. I want my boy Ultimo to be back yeah. to prominence with his, like, 10 titles. <laughs> He's the only one that deserves to be a winner out of this whole rabble of people. 
That's us for another edition of the WCW vs. NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW vs. NWO podcast. Where else can they find us, Connor? Uh, you can find us on Vimeo for some bonus video exclusive content. Also, patreon.com slash WCW vs. NWO podcast. We've been doing our Nitro flashback episodes from the initial run from Nitro when it first started out. I think it was in 95. A lot of fun uh, reliving the Dungeon of Doom and all the glorious uh, gloriousness that comes with that. And not three hours either. Mm, oh, one hour shows. Damn. I love you. <laughs> for me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening and join us next time when there'll be a giant title change. <laughs>